Welcome to the Vortex Nation podcast, brought to you by lovers of hunting, shooting, public lands, the Second Amendment, and good food. All right, what is up, everybody? Going to talk about one of our favorite topics here at Vortex, and that's deer. Deer, deer, deer. They're deer to us, Jim. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, a little twist to this one, because one thing that we haven't talked about, uh, really, I don't think ever on the podcast, is Texas deer hunting. Deer hunting in Texas, in the great state of Texas, a very strong deer hunting culture there. Lots of deer hunters. I'd say in some ways, it's it can be different than maybe other regions of the U.S. And to, yeah. uh, to help us unpack Texas deer hunting, we have special guest Cable Smith from the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Cable, we've been working with you for a long time. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome to Vortex. It's great to have you here. It is impressive to be here. And you guys have a pretty awesome deer hunting culture, too, because everybody's got a deer a year amount on their desk, it seems like. so, the, the, uh, <laughs> Or some shed antlers or something, you know? Yeah, the, the euro mount and shed flex has been pretty strong lately. Yeah, so. well, we got that one new guy down there in uh, tech support area. He hasn't been on the podcast yet, but we're planning to have him on. Yeah. And he just decided he was just going to come in, you know, nobody knowing him yet, and just bring every elk shed that he's ever found <laughs> and put it on his desk. It was, it was, uh, it's, it was, there's it's, kind of a waterfall it's effect. It's the equivalent of, it's the equivalent of when, you know, they tell you if you ever get into prison, you have to pick a fight with somebody immediately, <laughs> right. you know, to try and then get put in solitary to the, and then, you know, and yeah. not get in trouble or whatever, or at least prove yeah, you that make you're, a, make a statement. Yeah. You know, that's what he did. It's like cool he, hand he Luke. Came in, yeah. He yeah. punched yeah. A, He punched us right in the face when he came in. Set yeah. the, set the tone. Yeah. There's always been an element of, uh. I mean, there's always euros and, you know, people, you know, if you got a wall, you know, shoulder mount or this, that, the other. But I feel the same goes for Texas, though. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, you guys put it, you guys sometimes just put it on the hood of your Cadillac. <laughs> I don't know about that. Usually that's like a longhorn. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. That's in the, that's the movies, Jim. Are shed, is shed hunting big here? Yeah. See, yeah. back home, like, it's not, it's not that big of a deal. Really? No. But like the Western guys, they're, they obsess over it. It's a it's a pretty big deal. It's yeah. a pre, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's, it's big for everybody else in the rest of the state too, right? Because I mean, we get exposed to you know the Western hunting guys all the time at Vortex, but mm -hmm. it, I mean, it seems like everybody around Wisconsin generally gets into. Uh, they, and we got a we got a pretty quick window around here. The the mice and stuff get out get out of ours. It's true. Pretty pretty you don't quick. Have long. But yeah, the uh, yeah the old shed flex around here that that escalated pretty quickly downstairs. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, so it's not a big deal. Do you find them a lot, though? I'd imagine you find yeah, tons I of find them. find some, and I usually just kick it out of the way and like make sure I'm not going to run over it with my truck. Oh, my so gosh. On the tire. And that's, that's like sacrilege yeah, to a lot of people. Yeah, criminal. But we have so many hogs, so would I rather go hunting for like an animal, or would I rather go look for sheds? I'd rather go hog hunting because it's year-round fun. That's, hmm. yeah, yeah, I get that. I think yeah. I would still like pick it, like if I saw one, I'd like pick it up and I'd, you know, You've you been know. hardwired to but, do but it. But here's my question. So a lot of these guys, and, and I've talked to a lot of the Western guys I've had on my show, they just have them stacked up in their garage. Like, what do you ever do with them? It's like, oh, I don't do anything with them. I just put that one with the rest of them in the garage. <laughs> candle like, holders. <laughs> Mostly <laughs> candle holders. Yeah. Cable's like, I don't know. I'm going to go eat some hog ribs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know exactly where I put these uh, in my belly. Mm -hmm. uh, cable, 
once again, welcome though. I'm, I'm trying to bring us back to deer Sorry. here, Jim. Yeah. Well, we kind of were, we're talking about them. Texas deer, deer though. Texas deer. So what y- you are? Well, before we get too deep, tell us a little bit about yourself. What you have going on? Yeah. I'm yeah. too excited. I get excited, Jim. That's I want right. to dive right in. Uh, yeah. So I host the Lone Star Outdoor Show. I actually got a degree in radio, TV, film. That was uh, I wanted to do radio and kind of fell into outdoor radio. I took a job like in Podunk, East Texas, and my the owner of the radio station was like, "Hey, you gotta host a weekly outdoor show." And I was like, "Okay, cool. I guess maybe I should like shoot a deer since I've never done that." But <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was like I didn't grow up. I grew up bass fishing, and just fell in love with hunting. Like college, got into ducks and got a lab that I, you know, I was telling you about a lab and. Mm-hmm. Got the lab with this girl, and she left, and he stayed, and <laughs> and I just, you know, I just fell in love with hunting, and was like, now fishing is kind of like something I do when there's nothing to hunt, but um, still love it. But yeah, my dad was just a huge bass fisherman. We didn't have guns in the house, so I've really been doing this like 15 years, I'd say. Oh no, kidding, huh? Yeah, I figured hunting. you're just a lifer, you know? No. Well, life long outdoorsman, but right. Never, no, we didn't own a gun until I was 21 years old. So yeah. God bless America. I'm I know. I saw the light. But anyway, so he's like, you got to host a weekly hunting and fishing show. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. Yeah, you're and, like, I got the fish side covered. Yeah. And I, you know, I was I was into bird hunting then. Yeah. But like, I had never shot a deer. So I was like, all right, where, where, how, how do I figure out where to go shoot a deer? You know? So that was 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. And maybe and not, not so easy a task no, in Texas. No, because we don't have a lot of public land. Yeah. So... Anyway, went out on my own, started my own show, and one of the first sponsors I had was like, you can come shoot a deer with me. I was like, okay, cool. And he's like, I'm not going to gut it for you. And I was like, that's that's fine. I'll, I'll figure that out too. So yeah, really kind of self-taught as far as uh, the big game hunting goes. And I think I think a lot of people don't get into hunting or are intimidated by it because they don't, are they going to look stupid asking a, a question on a forum or on social media or something like that. So I think we need to do a better job welcoming those people. Yeah. Not making them feel dumb because, hey, like myself, I didn't grow up doing it. So, right. Yeah. You know, and, um, yeah. And with a lot of that stuff, and, you know, we're kind of sidetracking into here, into some of the recruitment aspects to hunting, but that is, I think that is one of the most intimidating parts mm-hmm. is like, People are like, hey, I want to do this. I enjoy the outdoors. I want to procure some meat for, for myself and my family. What if I get one? Right. You know, like, you then know, what? that, <laughs> then what? Yeah. Like, oh boy, it's dead, you know? Yeah. And, 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 you know, I guess get the insides on the outside. That's well, what yeah, I always say. Like, is it, <laughs> why, it, why is it intimidating? You know what I mean? Because think about somebody back in, well, I don't know, 18, whatever, 19, early something. I mean, were they intimidated by the, like, I need to eat. I'll shoot no. the thing that's covered in meat and running around in the woods. You just go up to it, and like you said, Mark, I mean, yeah, okay, we need to eat that. Let's get the insides on the outside. But nowadays, it's so much like, well, what if what if some, some guy that's my friend on Facebook that's really not my friend at all tells me that I did it wrong? That's the only reason it's intimidating. Sure, yeah. sure. I, I totally agree. Well, yeah. I'd have to think from back then, too, Jim, like not too many people are coming from a non-hunting family. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, if you did, you probably were dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, but also you could just YouTube it now. I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. So there's there's definitely ways to do it. Um, but yeah, so back to the 
the question you asked, I've been doing this full time, 12 years, actually used my degree, uh, which is crazy. Awesome. Congratulations. Um, Back then it was just a radio show. This was before podcasts were really even a thing. So it still airs on about 25 radio stations in Texas. And uh, I think probably as many people listen to it via podcast these days as they consume on terrestrial radio. So terrestrial. Yeah. Mm. Sounds like something I'd throw at a riverbank. Haven't taken that extra yet, huh? <laughs> Not just yet. So the show that you started mm-hmm. then, that I mean, that is the show today. That is. That is. And I feel like sometimes I pigeonhole myself with Lone Star Outdoor Shows. It's like Texas. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so much of what I do now is like has nothing to do with Texas. And the stories that or the guests that I want to talk to, totally unrelated to Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's, that's the brand. And so we're just kind of, it is what it is. Do you feel like that's because... Have you covered like everything there is to cover in Texas, or is it is it you being like I've done so much in Texas, I want to see what else is out there? Or? Uh, it's some of both. Some of both. You know, okay. Sometimes it's like, oh, okay, we're we gonna have like I just recorded an interview with our Dove program leader. Oh, oh this cool! Is like a national holiday, September first in Texas. But it's like, is it the same interview over and over again, just a different year? Yeah. Like, so I don't know. I think we went four years between those because I was like, I don't want to do that this time. Yeah, but uh, but oh, so I had this this pair of dove nesting on my patio, and they are right now today nest number four of this. Like they started in March, here we are in August, and they're on nest number four. So it, that made me think, what what is up with dove biology? These things really nest four times so, in a I mean, season. They, like the same and, pair of dove, yeah, and fully like raise them up, mm-hmm. kick them out the nest, start Bye-bye, again, do it again. And the, the biologist happened. was like, they'll do it up to six times if conditions are good. That just seems inefficient. But we, Texans kill seven million dove a year, so we need we need them to do that good work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, doves are an interesting bird, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to actually uh, tune back into that show of yours because, yeah. yeah, their biology is pretty wild. Like, as far as, like, they're – they don't appear to be – to me, when I've hunted them, to Smart? be like the most, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Let's I just get right yeah. down to the business. But I think their smartness is in their their reproductive yeah. capability. Absolutely, absolutely. So that's why you know they just make bunches of themselves. Mm-hmm. Hey, We're not too bright. You can't figure it we out. Better... Just make more. <laughs> yeah, and maybe that maybe one of them will get it. Yeah, but uh, well, I like to do everything, so that's why the show is kind of yeah, yeah. expanded yeah. its well, horizons. I think that, you know, like your perspective, like you're born and raised Texas, you're the most Texas guy I know, but you're an outdoorsman and there's a lot of people in your shoes. There's a lot of hunters there that they're probably looking to do those same things that you are doing. Like, oh, I want to go on, I want to go on an elk hunt. How do I do that? And I think having somebody that's like, it's different when you listen to somebody, somebody from Colorado talk about elk hunting. Right. Right, because they just have a different different access, different capabilities to scout. You know, like mm-hmm. when you're talking about it, it's like that guy's like, "Yep, I'm in your shoes." Like, I want I want to listen to how you did it. Get yourself some Onyx and start planning your hunt. Like, because I don't have a week to go to New Mexico and scout. Right, it's all done virtually, and like on the fly when I'm there. Mm-hmm. You know, we've got three kids. What do you? My wife, I'm going to leave for three weeks to go elk hunting. She's like, "Well, I'll see if I'm still here when you get back." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Will I get an elk? Right. Will I still be married? That's probably the most relatable thing I've heard on this podcast in a long time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in in three uh, weeks. Yeah. Damn it, I want to go elk hunting every year. So, yeah, you know, and yep. I'm going. I've, I think I haven't missed a season in eight years. So, yeah. Gosh, I love it. Good for you, man. Yeah. And you've shot a couple bulls with I've your bow. Got two bulls on public land, two five by fives, New Mexico, on the same day. 
in the same basin three years apart. That's awesome. Yeah, and I drew a tag in New Mexico this year, so I'm pumped about that. Well, speaking of Onyx, uh, you can share that pin with me a little bit uh, (laughs) later. We'll do that off air. So let's talk about, let's dive into the deer hunting aspect here. Let's talk about, so what was your, what was that first deer hunt? What was your first Texas deer hunt? Yeah. Oh, dude, like I said, I didn't know what I was doing, but the guy set me up in a tripod blind. I just had a little mesh netting around it. And I think I borrowed a friend's 30-06 and this buck walked by and I shot and missed him. So he ran into the timber and I was like, I'm used to bird hunting. I'm like, this sucks. Where, where are the deer? So I, I was like, I'm going to go get him. <laughs> so I go into the woods. The deer runs out of the woods. I dropped to a knee and I shot him. No way. In the guts. Yeah. Oh, bummer. Well, he, he ran and bedded down. And then again, I didn't know what I was doing. I'm making myself sound like a terrible hunter here, but this is the evolution no, but it just, as an outdoorsman. You're right? not alone. Yeah. So I immediately go bump him. And he runs up, he gets up and runs off. And then we spent the next five hours looking for him where he would have just gone and died right there. Right. You know? I mean, he literally, I watched him go lay down, but I didn't know what I was doing. So bumped him and we found, we eventually found him and it was all smiles after that. And then it was like, now gut him. So <laughs> get the uh, insides on the outside. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's like, you're like, oh yeah, I'm making myself sound like a terrible hunter. Those are things like obviously... If you can avoid, oh, you know, and I shoot. shot a deer that was running too. Like how many? Like a lot of people still think that, you know, I think it's a lost art. But a lot of people are like, why would you shoot at a hmm. running animal? Well, I don't. What what people that needed food do? They shot at running animals. So yeah, I, I that, think that happened. I yeah. think there's just certain things you're either you know good at something or confident with something. And would I do it know? again? Probably not. But at the time, it was just like living in the moment. There's the deer. Here's my gun. Boom. That's, Let's here, do it. Here's what I'm out here to do. And right. that's that's part of that learning process that we're talking about earlier. Like, you know, a lot of it does come down to just going and learning those lessons, some of which you're going to learn the hard way. Some some things you'll they'll, they'll work out famously. Other things you'll do different next time, right? I, yeah, mean, I think life. really what a terrible hunter is. A terrible hunter doesn't mean you did something wrong. It means that you did something wrong and you didn't learn from it. Right. That's yeah. That's actually yeah. like, you know, I quote terrible hunter. Yeah. Or sometimes you still do things wrong, you don't even know it, and then you didn't learn from it. I mean, that just happens too. But if you just blatantly, well, I'll do that again. <laughs> then, yeah, that might be an indication. Yeah. Right. That, that worked terrible. Yeah. I'll probably try that again. <laughs> um, From there, you know, I went to leasing my own property uh, the next year and started, like, learning how to age deer. And, you know, what does a three-and-a-half-year-old look like on the hoof compared to a five-and-a-half-year-old? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and to say that I've like immersed myself in deer culture from 12, 13 years ago to today would be an understatement. Like I'm obsessive about it. So it's, uh, it, the, the bug bit me for sure. That's crazy. Man. What is like the quintessential deer in Texas up here? You come into Wisconsin, the white tail reigns supreme. You go mm-hmm. out West, everybody talks about the mule deer, you know, there's kind of different is what do you got in Texas primarily? Oh, white tail, white tail, white tail is king. All right. Yeah. yeah. Big, big bass, big bucks. That's what we pride ourselves yeah. on. So, yeah, it's white tail. We do have mule deer in, in like the west part of the state. Yeah, and uh, and I have dabbled. I got a mule deer lease one time out there, um, but uh, no, it's it's all white tail. Yeah, right on. That's what we're crazy about. I mean, so kind of dovetailing. I mean, Texas is a big state, mm-hmm. and you guys got a lot of ground. There's like three really distinct. I would say. They're not subspecies. They're all white-tailed deer. Yeah. But North Texas has big-bodied deer, big racks. The hill country, like around Austin, 
So like where I live, Dallas area, big deer. And there's three counties that are archery only that were closed from the 70s until 2012 or 2013. And so, and then they opened them back up. They were closed completely. Why, Dallas, you know why? Rockwall, and Collin County where I live. I think just because so many people. Okay. Um, or, or well, Collin County just didn't have any deer. Oh. So, hmm. but a lot of the like area lakes have deer like taken up there and expanded their ranges. So they opened those those three counties up and the huge deer and great age class. So you know it's harder to kill them with a bow. So they've got a lot more big bucks and just the proximity to like city the city and stuff. It's just no rifles. I think has kept the anti hunters at bay somewhat. Okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. They're not seeing it and hearing it on a regular basis. So. A little more discreet. But leases are expensive, man. Like, at yeah. least 20 acres. Do you want me to tell you a dollar amount of what that cost? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. You My said wife's you, not listening. Yeah, you so said It cost $5,000. You know, I wrote it off for business expense, but 20 acres for $5,000. And then and then I have a lease, like, two hours northwest of Dallas. That's like $3,000 for 800 acres. So, I mean. Oh, wow. Oh. Yeah, so you can see the contrast right. there. Yeah. yeah. So what? How does the leasing process work? That's something that I'm just that not guy put with that at all. 20 acres on Facebook, and he had 20 phone calls that morning. Oh my gosh! And he had actually heard my radio show, and he's like, "I know you'll be respectful of the property." And it's like, if you want it, it's yours. He's like, "Do you want to come look at it?" I was like, "No, I know, I know <laughs> the creek that runs through your property. What lake it comes off of? I don't need to see it. I'll send you a deposit." And so that it's a cutthroat deal. <laughs> like Jeez. demand demand is exceeding supply. Yes, yes. So what uh so then most certainly you you uh killed a big deer on that. I did place not then. kill a big deer. I watched a one seventy five run around all season long. And uh he was on the property on Halloween. I was on the property on Halloween. I was there in the morning and I was taking my kids trick or treating that night. Here he comes by my pop up blind. So No way. Yeah. 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 And then it deal with like you made the right call, by the way. I never th- Halloween is like one of my most favorite days to hunt deer, and since I had kids, I have not hunted a Halloween evening since. I'm trick or treating, and I got a live picture from my trail camera of him sitting in front of my <laughs> pop up line. Yeah. Mom, where's Dad? He had to go. <laughs> he had to go make himself another drink after that. <laughs> yeah. But no, I never killed that deer. He uh, he hung around mostly pre rut. Got a couple pictures of him in November, but these the neighbors' dogs they had three labs that just like I had eventually just called animal control. I was like, hey, I tried to explain it to him. Hey, I'm paying a lot of money to hunt here. I understand this is kind of rural, just on the fringe of the city. You probably don't feel like you have to keep your dogs pinned up, but you do. So animal control finally after the third time it happened, they came and they sorted it out. I don't know. I think they got the message, but yeah. And then one time I'm sitting in a tree stand in a hot air balloon, 100 yards from me, fires up. I didn't know what it was at first. I just hear this noise. Oh yeah, like just like and I'm like, what is? What in the hell are they doing? Building something over there? No, here comes this hot air balloon. <laughs> I videoed it, put it on Instagram. This guy sent me a message. He was like, that was me. <laughs> he was like, hey, you know, it's, it looked like a nice Saturday you were having. Yeah, you just shout up. Did you see any big bucks from up there? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, I, I could maybe work together. Didn't end up leasing that place again. Just like the headache. It wasn't. It wasn't the uh, juice wasn't worth the squeeze on that one. Yeah, that's tricky. Particularly, I mean, you know, one seventy bucks is running around in that area. Yeah. 
but it was fun. I learned a lot, you know. Uh, he wouldn't, you can bait in Texas. That buck would not come to a feeder, only if it was something that I put out with my hands, like hand corning. He would eat that, but I learned real quick, like, he skirted, I had pictures of him making a huge loop around mm-hmm. the feeder. Those young young bucks would be there at him. And I think that, I don't think that's a, a unique situation. A lot of big deer, hell, a place I leased in Oklahoma, and that was a big place. It was almost a thousand acres. And I shot a 142 um, with my bow there. Mm-hmm. That buck would not come to a feeder. So I made, to keep the horses out, I put some, uh, made a barbed wire pin and just started hand cornering in there. And I ended up shooting over that bait. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's something that I think is, is you know, not 100% unique. Like you're talking about Oklahoma there, so it's not like 100% unique to Texas. But like baiting is part of the, you know, you got feeders. You know, oh, yeah. that, that's part of the, the deer hunting culture there. You know, corning roads or senderos, uh, yeah. as you guys, uh, you, have you ever corned a road? Every time in South Texas. <laughs> that is- With the feeders on the buggy. And you just turn it on, drive down the Sendero, about 30 minutes for sunlight, and wait for the sun to come up and the deer to come out. Yeah. But here's the thing. That habitat is way different than the hardwoods that I'm hunting in North Texas. Mm. It is thick, mesquite country. You're never going to see a deer unless it's in the in, in the open. Right. Yeah. And the way to get the deer into the open is by corning. Right. So, I mean, it's, um, that's, why, that's why we do it. And... I think people also need to understand, like, from a management standpoint, baiting is a great way to, to catalog what deer you're looking at regularly. Hey, this deer's four and a half. Let's try to get them to five and a half, six and a half, if you have that luxury, you know, big mm-hmm. place or whatever. So I was telling you this place I hunted in South Texas. You remember that TV show, The Bucks of Tecamati? Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is that property, new owners. Their son followed me on Instagram. He's like, hey, I want you to come see what we're doing with these whitetail. This is a low fence place. Right. I said, okay. And he's like, you could shoot a deer. I was like, cool. He's like, it'll be the biggest deer you've shot. I was like, awesome. I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty bold <laughs> statement. That is. Like, that hey, is. Why well, he asked, what was the biggest buck you've shot? And I was like, well, 142. So he was like, well, we'll get you one bigger than that. And he was very confident. And I was like, just tell me when to come. So go down there. And I probably saw three, four, 170 to 190 inch deer every sit. Unbelievable. Free range. And they don't shoot anything until they're seven and a half years old. That's their management plan, unless it's a call. Like my buck was ended up going like 157, and he was seven and a half years old. And they knew he was seven and a half years old because they had pictures of him every year from three and a half when they enter the bucks into their camera survey until he was seven and a half and I shot him. I mean, that is just intense, very methodical and thorough, like monitoring of a deer herd. Yeah. The dad who owns the property, whether it's his, like I'm a guest or if it's his son's friends, he gives everyone a a video camera for every sit. And we come back to the lodge and we go through everyone's footage on the big screen TV and talk about the deer and like, oh, that's such a cool looking buck. We're going to, we're going to let him go until he's eight and a half. And they shot a 175 that was nine and a half years old this year. Wow. It's, it's so different mm-hmm. from anything I've, i guess i i was gonna say i've never hunted texas i hunted uh audad in texas which was you know obviously it's different the than poor hunting. man sheep hunting the poor man i love sheep. it yeah dude that's <laughs> that's, a, that's an optic optics intensive hunt that's yeah, a fun one for sure but uh that's like the deer hunting side of things is so very different from anything i've ever done but like what you're describing there sounds so fun 
at the same time, like getting back and like everybody's watching this oh, yeah. or what'd you see? And then, you know, like, uh, I don't know, like maybe I just love deer hunting, Jim, because on I, the flip side, I think that's, I don't really, uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, when I enter, I'm like, deer, 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 everybody's thinking, maybe not everybody's thinking about deer. I think they should be. But like, I also love what I've probably done. Like I don't even really run trail cameras here at all. Mm-hmm. Like I love seeing new spots and just, but you're hunting public land a lot here. Yeah. It's very, so, so the mindset of like management, isn't probably is it's not something people are thinking about here as much as uh right if you have a lease or your own property mm-hmm. in texas like the average deer the age of, of bucks that get shot in texas is still two and a half so oh really yeah so i didn't know it's that. not a. it's not on everyone's mind but if you have your own property and you have nice deer or a nice lease you know then management is something i think we're all like uh, the place i have where i rifle hunt where i take my kids family mm-hmm. friendly we try not to shoot anything less than four and a half, but every year somebody shoots a three and a half year old and they apologize on the group text. It's like, mm, sorry. <laughs> we're like, that's ah, all right. You know, um, it is what more. it is. Yeah. So, yeah, we live, you know, and I think a lot of places are probably similar to Wisconsin. Like we live in, like we're, we have a lot of public land here, which is great. We have a lot of private land here, mm-hmm. which is great. And then you have, you know, people, some people will lease properties, you know, a lot of people, buy even recreational properties here and manage them, you know, as tightly as they can. We have, I I think, you know, by and large, you know, here, like smaller, smaller parcels, Mm -hmm. you know, like uh, 300 acres would be, that's a pretty big chunk. Big chunk of land around here. Yeah. Uh, But uh, yeah, so you you kind of, it's almost a a smorgasbord of like, you know, number one, you know, obviously it's, uh, do you have the means? To right. get a lease, or do you have the means to own a property, or maybe you have a you know a lot of family properties here that are getting passed down generation or uh, farmers and things like that. But yeah, like I got an opportunity at a lease uh, from a really good buddy of mine who sells like recreational properties and things like that. He's like, hey, this lease came up, and I sh- I sh- I'm still like kicking myself for not jumping on it because I probably should have because I'm pretty confident like I would have been able to go kill a deer mm-hmm. or two there. And it wasn't extraordinarily expensive. But then I also, like, if I went to Texas, I'd be like, well, that's what we're doing. Because that's just what you do. Like, you don't really have, like, if you want to hunt deer in Texas for you and your family, like, you are getting a lease. Like, you are getting a lease. That is your ticket uh, to deer it, it's the That is, I'd say, the major drawback. Yeah. Because Texas is, like, 98% privately owned. So, there is, like, there's public land. Not much, though. Like, there's a lake, a WMA hour and a half from my house you can bow hunt there yeah that's an hour and a half from my house and it's bow hunting only it's not something where you could like introduce your kids into hunting does right. it just get pounded with people too it, it does okay and there are there are, those places do exist but it's you know it's high foot traffic and yeah, there's not a lot of rifle hunting opportunity for sure mm-hmm. there are texas has some drawn hunts and stuff and i've i've i have done those before mm-hmm. drawn a hunt and but yeah by and large public land Deer hunting in Texas. If, if you get a buck on public land in Texas, you've done something. Yeah. 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 And it's just like not really, I mean, even just that, that's an access thing. Like how do, how do you get like, it is, there's, just, the there's, just, there's just like not a lot of it. So getting back to this lease that I ha- had a crack at, like it was super tempting because mm-hmm. I'm like, I guarantee you I'd like see deer, have success, you know, not run into people on it because I'd essentially be the only person there. Uh, tons of confidence. But then because I have the option, like I've got all these pins dropped all over the state, I'm like, 
I want to look at all the stuff that I've been like, I've either looked at once a little bit or hunted once, or maybe I figured it out. I'm like, if I got the lease, I feel like I would trap myself and I'd be like, no, dude, I'm committing to this because I've got this place and I That's spent what the I money <laughs> and not explore. Yeah. But, it's the same thing as getting like a cabin up north, yeah. like all the Wisconsinites do. You get a cabin up north, then it's like, let's go on vacation. Where should we go? Florida? Well, we got a cabin, so we should probably go there. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah, you spend all this money on this lease. It, the, the beautiful thing was it was 10 minutes from my door. I could be Ooh. on the property, you know. Mm, yeah, that is nice. So that is nice. That, that was, and, I, and I hunted more days with less success on that 20 acres than I'd ever deer hunted in my life. So it was, uh, I'm not going to say it was humbling. I, at the end of the day, there was just too many obstacles. You know, you get a picture of that buck, and then one minute later, here's three labs standing in the same spot, chase them off. That's frustrating. So, yeah, but it, you know, it, it was what it was. I yeah. don't regret it. I, I certainly enjoyed messing with that buck. Yeah, a lot. So unique experience. Yeah, I think on this lease uh, that I basically turned, I think my odds were actually probably a lot higher. That's the other thing that doesn't make sense. Like, I think my odds of killing a couple deer on that place were, were are probably actually higher than what I'll end up doing this year. Hmm. Where do you Where do you hunt mostly? Usually, I just tag along with Mark somewhere, yeah. or um. I've gone on some public land spots and uh, a little bit of private land that uh, are just through friends and stuff like that. But I haven't ever had to do the lease process or anything. Like right. That. So that's why I asked. But Yeah. I mean, you got a little piece here in Wisconsin. You shot a deer out there this last year. We hunted Nebraska together mm-hmm. on some public out there. That was, actually, that's this buck here that we always just have front and center. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. There's definitely, you know. I don't uh, hunt nearly as much as Mark. I'll throw that out yeah. there. No, I, I just like. I'll do. We're I'll do a couple. Of, I'll do a couple of bigger ones. You know, every yeah. every year or something like that. But then you go back to turning wrenches. You're like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> That's the problem, though. Is yeah, like uh, you're talking about the piece that my wife and I have. Yeah, I could hunt out there, but then there's also a garage out there. <laughs> and so every time I pull down the driveway and I'm in all my hunting gear and I grab my gun, I look and I see the garage and I'm like. I want to sit and maybe not see a deer, or do I want to go in there and definitely take something apart? <laughs> and eighty percent of the time, every time I <laughs> you should have you should have put uh, like glass walls on the garage, so that way you could do like double duty. Like you, when you pick your head up from underneath the vehicle, you're like, oh, there's one. <laughs> yeah, that actually would have been a good idea. You mentioned Nebraska. I I did hunt there last year, muzzleloader season. Oh, cool! In the Sand Hills. Yeah, and it was really cool habitat and terrain that i would never seen before and you could have a fantastic. mule deer or whitetail yeah tags good for both yeah a, a mix of stuff out there and yeah a very unique region if uh if you've only driven through nebraska on i-80 like you wouldn't know that that exists but it's no it's, it's a it's a neat area out you there. you kept telling me before we went you're like nebraska has hills and i said bs yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> not cool. true but it is. And i flew into south dakota and so I got to drive through the Badlands on my way there, which oh, was sweet, something man. cool. I got to check off the bucket list. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So. How'd you do? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh. That can be a tough hunt yeah. in there. It was it was one of the coldest hunts I've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah. I'm, I'm going to go back and do it again. Yeah. I, I find some of those hunts that are like good hunts in cool places where you didn't get one are like some of the ones that you want to go back to. Yeah, like, you're like per, I take it personal, you know. <laughs> so speaking of speaking of cool places and getting back to our Texas thing here. 
Yes. Somebody from out of state wants to go hunt deer in Texas. Being that there's not a lot of public land, if they're just going to breeze in for like, you know, one-time hunt, see what's up, see what it's like, they're probably going to have to, they wouldn't buy a lease, but they would Yeah, I mean, just you'd have to get an outfitted hunt. Yeah. Would be... It wouldn't be worth coming to Texas unless you were going to go with an outfitter. Like, okay. what are you going to go to that WMA and sit in a tree stand that you don't know anything about? No, you're not going to do that. Yeah. So, it, and that brings up high fences. And I see a lot of guys who are very successful in their business careers, they don't have time to hunt all the time. They'll come in and they'll shoot a nice buck in a high fence. And, and that's that. And I don't knock those people. I've done it. I told you. Yeah. I've got a 221-inch deer in my studio. And it's the first thing people look at when they come in. And it's like the one that I'm the least proud of. Like, I don't even care. I almost wish I didn't have it mounted. But the guy invited me to come to his ranch. And he's like, I want you to shoot a nice buck. It's okay. It's not really my cup of tea. Right. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, but again, I'm not knocking it. You don't have a lot of time. You have a lot of money. Here's, here's the place where you can go do it. You know what? Those people buy hunting license. They buy ammo. They're, I think, going to vote a lot of the same way we do. And I'm cool with it. It's a big can of worms, but I'm, I'm not saying I would never do it again. If you right. invited me to come to your property and we're going to go hang out and have a few cold drinks in the evening, you want me to come shoot a nice buck? Okay, but I'm just telling you, like, when it comes time to mount it, I might not even mount it this time. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. And Let I, me I, tell you about the little three-by-three three mule deer that I shot in New Mexico with my <laughs> muzzle loader, 12,000 feet. That's a, <laughs> that's a trophy. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and it just boils down to what is, hunt, what is hunting to you. Yeah. Is it legal? Okay, maybe that's number one. Yeah. Uh, you know, and like you said, everybody has a different cup of tea, right? And if you find something enjoyable or fulfilling, go do it. And that's that's another option, right, in an area where sometimes your options can be limited. Is it for me? Probably not. Yeah. You know, but I could care less that it is for somebody else. Well, yeah. let me also put this caveat out there. So you are a landowner. You've got a 1,000 acres, let's say. Your buddy next door keeps shooting every three-and-a-half-year-old deer he sees. A lot of guys I know, that's why the high fence went up. And they're not outfitters. Mm-hmm. So those guys, and I have no problem. And I would shoot a deer in their place because it's deer, wild-ass deer. They don't even know the fence is there. You're talking about 1,000 acres. Those deer, they don't know. Yeah. And that, and that fence didn't go up so that he could bring in genetics. He just wants Jim Bob next door to stop smoking, you know, stop having the – if it's brown, it's down – mantra and living by that code mm, can't stand that that's that's a lot of that's right, a lot right. of why high fences go up i can see that apparently i'd be a poor neighbor <laughs> and then once you've got the high fence that's when the exotics come in which is fun and and certainly enjoyable uh to see a lot of different animals that you know access to your a big ticket item in texas mm-hmm. yeah um, mm-hmm. well we lost a lot of access deer in black buck when we had that storm this past year so, all yeah. the snow mm-hmm yeah, black buck. You know those. Both of those species are from India. Nilgai as well. They did not do well with that. No, I can't imagine cold. they, they seemed a little that. sensitive. Did it get? Did I heard? Okay, I heard two stories. I heard with that storm, it was just complete decimation, and then I also heard like, eh, it got blown out of proportion. Like you're seeing some some like very like horrible snapshots of it, but it was actually like not as bad as. I mean, that. we didn't have power for three days. Yeah, I turned my. I went to the street and turned my water off because like four houses on my street had busted pipes and their house were, were flooded. So, I mean, it was bad. <laughs> we're not used to that at Texas. Yeah. Like, that was so extreme. It might snow once or twice a year and it doesn't stick for more than like a night, 
that was the most snow for the longest period of time that I've ever seen in Texas. It was great. We, w- we went and stayed with my sister-in-law, and the kids went sledding every day. And then we had no electricity, no water. And I said, bye, wife. I'm going to Africa now. <laughs> 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 and I went and shot a Cape Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably what most people did. Yeah. What about what about the uh, what about those exotics though? I mean, were they just meleeed or like was... those species, particularly the ones from India? The, okay, the, they... the poorest. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're also probably the most the, the black buck and axis deer are certainly probably the most common in high fences and in the hill country, just running around free range. I mean, it's nothing to be driving through Fredericksburg, Texas, and just see a herd of axis deer on the side of the road. Yeah, I know. Uh, I fished. This was a number of years ago. I fished out of uh, Port Mansfield. Mm. fishing uh, redfish and speckled trout, trout. Yeah. and it was super fun but where we're staying at was like kind of like this little like complex of like cabins if i recall correctly and there was just like a like a feeder kind of like a neighborhood feeder yeah and they're like oh yeah there's this uh no guy that's been coming to the feeder really consistently and i was like yeah man i don't know if i want to go fishing today i think i might just kind of hang out <laughs> here but i, I ended up fishing because that's what we were there to do but uh, always remember that, and that was like a, that was like a free range, like it had yeah. gotten out from somewhere. They introduced them on the King Ranch in like 1930s, and, and I think that's in fairly close proximity to oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. area, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, and the King Ranch is hundreds of thousands of acres, so it's massive. Yeah, it covers a huge stretch mm-hmm. of that coastal area. Uh, but yeah, those new guy big enough five. ranch that you can get a pickup named after you. Yeah, it's that's significant. <laughs> yeah. But I've hunted down there for no guy. It's fun. Yeah. And, uh, delicious meat. I've heard it's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Are people, range. people still importing exotics? Or is that are all the exotics that are there, are they there from back in 19, who knows when, uh, or something like that? Yeah. People still buy and trade yeah. exotics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, you know, once you do put up a high fence, then it's like, do you want your genetic pool to get stale? Right. So yeah. at some point, you do have to introduced genetics not so much on the whitetail side but a lot of people do it on the uh, exotics well there are i mean deer breeding is still a big thing too yeah in texas like selling semen stuff like that um it's probably over my head i don't really get into that much but it's still big business a lot of it's been impacted by cwd um, okay like oh, yeah. texas parks and wildlife if you have a cwd positive test they when they first start out they just come in and just smoke all your deer shoot them in the head Wow. A rifle with a sniper on the back of a truck. Kill your whole deer herd. Gee. Yeah. That so seems like could be, uh, nah, be messing uh, around. No. Affect your pocketbook. And then they'll go look at any other place where your semen went to, or you, or if you, you know, sold a live deer to bread dough or something. Well, now we've got a problem there. So they're not uh, they're not messing around with CWD. I know you guys have CWD up here. It's probably a lot more prevalent here than it is in Texas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well. You, Probably because we're not, we don't have people running around sniping everything that, uh, you know, anymore. Like it's got to anymore. Well, I mean, that was. Did we have trucks well, of snipers? Snipers? Going I around? mean, not where, that. Where do I sign up? We had. Sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry about your deer herd. <laughs> kind of like the, I think what they call them, like herd eradication tags or something like that. There was a number of years where Did it they? was, you know, for a stint there, like they're they're pretty aggressive with the with the deer herd management, and that's where I think we're, the, you know, a lot. Don't quote me, but you know we had to earn a buck for you know to kind of thin that out. So yep. it's kind of to make it mandatory to shoot a doe before you could shoot a buck, things like that. But yeah, yeah. We, we do have a, a fair amount of CWD here and a lot of a lot of good research going on. 
with, uh, with with game and fish and our biologists here trying to sort that out. Sadly, it's not that uncommon to see. Like I I don't know about you, but I some like when I'm driving around, I'm not saying it happens like weekly, but it, I'm not surprised when I'm driving around a deer sort of like meandering in the road and they don't really get out of the mm-hmm. way fast enough and you look at it and they got patches of their hair missing and you're like, oh, yeah, don't touch yeah. any other ones. Yeah. Don't, well, we don't, don't touch really your friends. <laughs> that bad in Texas. Surprisingly, we have whole areas that have been wiped out by anthrax. What? An- what? Anthrax? Anthrax, yeah. So anthrax stays in the soil and when conditions are ripe, it comes to the surface. The deer, you know, somehow get that into their nose. They ingest it, and it spreads like wildfire. But you can't get rid of it because it stays in the soil. So it's just like a every 10, 20 years, certain place will just, entire deer herd just wiped out. What What even is anthrax? I didn't want to ask. Um, How did it get there in the first place? Is it just uh, yeah. a natural thing that's just in the a, soil? Or just a natural some thing. sort of secret military testing? No, alien no, no. Spacecrafts? It's just something that occurred. Like it's, it happens a lot more in West Texas. Does it? So whatever the conditions are there seem to be a hotbed for anthrax outbreaks. Well, I mean, that's not, from what I hear, that's not really great for uh, people either. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, I just, that's interesting. Like, you know, like, I'm going to go play in the yard. Ah, I'm dead. (laughs) Yeah, anthrax. Yeah. Wasn't that the thing? Was it anthrax? Yeah, people were like mailing. Yeah. Yeah. It was in the news. Maybe they went to West Texas and scooped up some soil. I don't know how they. Seriously. (laughs) I don't know. Golly, don't drink the water. I'm going to look a little bit more more into that. uh, Sticking with the the lease mm -hmm. thing and stuff like that, I I was wondering, for an outsider, you know, like us, we want to go down and hunt Texas. Let's say we wanted to go down and we wanted to, uh, you know, not necessarily do like the high fence thing. You're going to want to hunt South Texas. South Texas. Is that where you get do. a little bit more like adventure or something? Uh, or what is it like? Like if you're coming all the way to Texas, you're going to say, where is my best chance to kill a big buck or have a, you know, have a nice experience. If you're okay. going to pay for a hunt, right? Yeah. So South Texas is going to, you're going to see the most deer and have the opportunity for the biggest deer. Is that are we, and would you just the South be, Texas brush country, brush country? Mm-hmm. So that's not the Sendero. No, that's the, yeah, that's oh, where that they is. cut Senderos okay. and okay, corn them, and yeah, yeah, got it. Okay. And a lot of people feed protein and um, cotton seed has a lot of protein. That's very popular. I have an interesting take for you guys. So I, I've muzzleloader hunted in Illinois a couple times in Pike County. Mm-hmm. They manipulate the crops there, like they have new hunters coming in. This is an outfitted hunt. They they buy X number of bushels from the farmer that the farmer doesn't harvest. They leave it standing. New hunters come in. They come in and mow the crops. I'm sitting in a box blind overlooking a cornfield. I could shoot any deer that is now in my manipulated cornfield. It's no different than a feeder. It's just a big-ass feeder. What do you think? What do you think about that? I don't see any difference, personally. Like, here's my deer feeder. Anything that comes within 100, 200 yards, I can smoke him. Here's my cornfield. Anything that's in it, I can smoke him. Which you just pulled a tractor in there and mowed down ten rows. It's completely different cable because on one <laughs> side you have a a maintained um, man-made path with corn in it, and then on the other side you have a, a man-made path with corn in it. <laughs> right. I like your. No, take. I get the difference. I see it. Yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. But I just find see when you put it when you when you get it in its proper context. Glad we sorted that out. Yeah. But, you know, I just hear the Western guys, it's different because they don't hunt over bait, you know, and fine. I'm, if I'm going to play in their 
woods, I'm doing the same thing. And I love it. Elk hunting is my favorite thing to do with a bow. But like when these uh, when the Midwest people like frown on. Well, you guys aren't frowning on it. No. But Illinois, Iowa, places where they do that with the crops, I'm just like, wow, what's the difference really? Yeah, I mean, how many times do we hunt around here and we're like, all right, let's find the egg. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> when I'm even let's find the let's find the hundred acre e- the hundred acre bait pile. Right. Even, even when I'm pounding the public, yeah, exactly. Many uh, part of my hunt strategy uh, where the corn at. Yeah. Yep. Where the corn at? The yellow gold. Yeah, that's interesting. And and you know I've seen on uh, you know different shows and things like that. You know you're talking about you know even just North Texas versus South Texas outside of those paths like it seems nearly unnavigable through like that crazy like low thorny brush have you have you ever had to get into that stuff the first buck i ever shot with a bow went into that stuff and me and my buddy spent three to four hours on our hands and knees tracking this deer (sighs) we eventually found him yeah i mean he went a long way i had to put another arrow in him but I mean, this was, like I said, my, the first buck I ever shot with a bow. So, again, kind of like the rifle thing. Not that great of a bow hunter. Right. Um, but you, you know, learn from those experiences. Well, Ended you, up harvesting the deer, but that was not a fun tracking job at all. I mean, were you torn to shreds after yeah. this? Oh, everything can cut you, bite you, scratch you, rattlesnakes. I mean, it's it's freaking December, and you're still worried about rattlesnakes in South Texas. Yeah. So, Rattle if you don't bugs. have snake boots, don't come. <laughs> Rattle bugs. Rattle bugs. Yep, that's our slang term for them. Rattle bugs. Uh-huh. Yep. Bugs have legs. I don't know, man. I'm not really <laughs> scared of snakes. I'm not. I mean, I'm. Uh, but you don't. I respect them. in a lot of places where there's snakes around a lot. No, not a lot. Not like a you lot. see a snake and you're kind of like, nah. I'm like, you're, boom. <laughs> Just shoot them. Yeah. I've seen, but I feel like some people are like. Some like people get every snake wound up does about not get killing a pass. snakes. You know, some people, some people, are, oh, you know, people why are, would you kill a non-venomous snake? And if I see like a, a rattlesnake out in the woods, I'm not going to kill it every time. But if it's by camp and my kids are around, yeah, I'm probably going to kill it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, you got some different set of circumstances yeah. there. For me, it's just, I don't know anything about snakes. Oh, there's so, so many like, cool yeah. snakes like that eat rattlesnakes too. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty, what snake eats a rattlesnake? Cool. I can't remember if it's the blue indigo. Ooh. I have seen those in South Texas. In the so same. then, should a human be more afraid of that snake than a rattlesnake, or should they no, be like you friends, should try to like catch the that enemy snake of my enemy? Is my, all right. I'll go with not being afraid. Um, yeah, but no, I mean, a lot of people just don't know anything about snakes, like me. Mm-hmm. You know, I see a milk snake, and I'm kind of like, ah, it's slithery. I'm not used to seeing it. I don't know what it does. Yeah. You know, and like that one garter snake that one time lunged at me. It's a big garter snake. Lunged at me with its mouth open. I don't know what that means. It's mm. just, just poison or posturing, but seemed aggressive. Spring turkey is the time that I'm the most worried about snakes because you're sitting on the ground. Yeah. And you're sitting under a tree where there's leaves and, you know, stuff. It's just like, that's. that's you ever had one just come down and tap no, you on no, the shoulder? No, no, thank God. Yeah. No. no. I, know, I had a buddy that got bit by one. Rattlesnake? Yeah. Little, little one. Put mm. him in the hospital for a week. No kidding. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. It was a bad deal. Where'd he get bit? On his foot. No kidding, huh? Mm-hmm. He did not have on snake boots. <laughs> was he... Um, he walked outside of his uh, his porch to watch a electrical storm, and it was it had come up on his porch to get warm, and he basically just... He had flip-flops on, and it tagged him. Damn. Mm-hmm. Damn. Not when you're expecting to get bit by a snake. No. You're out watching no. lightning. No. Snap. Yep. We had, uh, we had spiders on there, too, on your list. 
Yeah, the, the, when I was hunting Audad, we stayed in this like uh, it's kind of like a tin shed, mm-hmm. like like an outbuilding. Had some uh, cots in it and a little uh, wood stove. And I've only seen probably a handful of black widows in my life, but this one was a large. Like if oh. you're like look at like if you're watching on YouTube, it, like the body of it was about the size of like this microphone that's next to my mouth. Think oh. that's not a black widow. Those give it, me the willies. It was. Huge. Yeah. At least to me, it was huge, and it did not get a free pass. No. No. You kill it. Yeah. I found them in my deer blinds before. It's uh, always an unpleasant surprise. I don't. I don't. How aggressive is a black widow? I didn't really ask. I just kind of. Do they uh, seek you out, or yeah, are they just sort of like defensive? Off uh, instinct, I. We have brown recluses too. Those have been in our oh, in Mark, our house. Mark like, knows a lot oh, about really? those. Yeah. Really good brown recluse identifier. <laughs> <laughs> maybe uh, maybe MC Ryan, if you're watching on YouTube, can roll that clip real fast. We'll oh, I, don't even, I don't even know what clip you're talking about. You do. Oh. The one where you scared Eric and I into thinking a Subaru was going to drop on We still on don't faces. know if it may have been one. <laughs> yeah. I well. could have saved your life. It crawled underneath Eric. It hey, was you, underneath him. Yeah, and then oddly enough, you, huge. you made Eric strip down to his boxers and myself. I was concerned about your safety. That's right. <laughs> What do you do? You guys use blinds up here? That's something we haven't talked about. A lot of folks will. Yeah. Yeah, they'll use uh, just pop-up blinds. Hay, okay. uh, you know, kind of like those, uh, you know, yeah. those, those hay bale style blinds. Uh, you know, if if you've got for those, it's like okay, I've got a property that I either you know own or can hunt every year. I mean, it's a common thing too to be driving by. Like a lot of farmers will make side biz on building blinds and then shipping them to people and stuff like that. People okay. buy them from farmers, elevated ones. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not uncommon at all to see out at the edge of a big field. I mean, that's big business in Texas. Um, regardless of if you're in South Texas or you know where my lease is, like here's a corn feeder, anywhere from 100 to 200 yards. There's a big box blind. Yeah, and I and I love it because my kids can come sit with me, introduce them to hunting. That way, my son shot his first doe out of a blind uh, last Thanksgiving, and I think it's just it's a phenomenal way to get kids because kids they want to be comfortable, right? And you want them to be quiet. Yep. And there's really it's the best way to <laughs> to achieve both of those things. That is oh for sure controlled, quiet, comfortable. If you can fidget, as uh, oh, or yeah. if you're if you're a fidgeter, well, oftentimes kids are. You can they move are. around. You're gonna be less, you know. My son's like got his binos. He's like never still. And that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome that he's into it. Yeah. You know, he's not like ah, oh, let me you know play with my iPad until uh, dad tells me deer shows up. Right. You know, he's like yeah. obviously actively actively involved in the hunt, which is super cool. I'm sure your scent goes down. You know, you're not having you know worry less about yeah. the wind. Rifle hunting is probably infinitely more popular in Texas than. Bow hunting. And we have a lot of bow hunters. There's just a lot of hunters. But um, yeah, it's the first weekend of November. It's you, you, there's gunshots going off everywhere. Yeah. So yeah. So let's talk about timing, uh-huh. right? So you know, when I think of whitetail hunting, I think you know, you said first week in November. That's rifle season. Yep. Okay. Hunter. And then, and when I think rut, I think first week in November. What about so your your rifle season in general starts. First week of November and goes till typically the mid middle part of January. Middle part of January. Yeah. Oh, well, that's a long gun season. That's yeah. generous. We shoot a lot of deer. Yeah, a lot. I think your tag comes with two. Your license comes with two buck tags and five doe tags, something like that. I know or when three. I three. I don't know. You shoot five. I should know this. My license is in my wallet, but um, we shoot a lot of deer in Texas. I never tag out. It's too many deer. Like yeah, uh, so. it's, it's a lot. <laughs> 
You guys are very generous. Oh yeah, with your tags too, uh, even to out-of-staters. I remember when I uh, did that audit hunt, and I've ended. The, I I think I, if I recall correctly, I had deer tags, turkey tags, odd tags. Oh, yeah. Like it was like I was ready to rock. We don't price gouge people. We like them to come hunt in Texas. Yeah, know? but dude, so when I had that place in Oklahoma, it was a sweet deal. You want to hunt bow season, six hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. You want to hunt a ten day. Muzzle loader season, okay? We'll give you a deal, six hundred bucks. You want a rifle hunt? It gets even better, six hundred bucks. So eighteen hundred bucks if you want to hunt all the seasons for an out of stater. And could you have shot a buck in each one of those seasons? Could you have killed three deer? No, no, just one. Uh, I think I could kill two. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But our lease was just the landowner, just like one buck. Oh, person. gotcha. So, okay, I can. Yeah. I see what you're saying. But I, okay, I was like eighteen hundred dollars on top of the the lease price. I was like, you guys are, you don't want people to come to your state and hunt. You know, that seems absurd. Yeah. For deer hunting. I don't mind paying 800 bucks for an elk tag. Right. Yeah. But. Everything's so, I always say it's so contextual, you know, and then, and just, it's kind of what you've gotten used to. Like, you know, it's like the going rate for an elk tag is about 800 bucks. So I guess, yeah, 800 bucks. If I want to hunt elk, I better not mind paying. I still, I still mind a little bit though, man. That stings. Every time you buy an elk tag, man, that, that stings a little bit. Yeah. Our bow season starts October 1st. Okay. Or I think it. No, it's the first weekend in October. Is it? Is it still hot? To, then is that oh, still hot? Sometimes people don't even go. Yeah. Like they or they wait for the exact right condition. Like okay. yeah. they they didn't go the first two weeks, and now the wind is right, and the temperatures dropped, and I'm sitting my ass in that tree stand. Yep. So. I mean that's a long and so and you can shoot bucks from November through that January time frame. Oh yeah. 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 And some people have like Texas Parks and Wildlife. We'll work with landowners, high fence or low fence. If you have them come out and do a survey, and they will give you what's called an MLD permit. And then you are now logging all the deer that you're shooting, but you're also allowed to rifle hunt opening weekend of bow season all the way through what? January. Mm. Oh, dear. Yeah. Oh, dear. It's pretty insane. I'd get I'd get involved in that program. Uh, what about your rut? Like, mm, probably like November 15th through Thanksgiving. Oh, that's about the same yeah, as here. Yeah, it's almost... I always hear, uh, like, oh, December. South De- Texas is December. Okay. My rut, where I live, Collin County, North Texas, it's it's middle November through the end of November. Okay. South Texas, where I shot that buck last year, and I have hunted quite a bit down there, it's like Christmas. Mm. Probably mid-December through New Year's is peak of the rut. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, just like as the more southerly you get, the later that gets pushed back, like when Jim, when you and I coos deer hunted in Arizona, January, that was January, and those deer were, you know, pretty into it. Do so. you, um, do you find that the biggest change you see in terms of just like how things work with hunting deer in Texas, uh, happens when you go from like far north to far south, or vice versa, or is it east to west? Far north to far south. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Certainly, I mean, South Texas is like its own world in the right. first country. And right. And, oh, my God, property down there is very, very expensive. It is. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, my buddy's dad leased 4,000 acres, and it was $40,000 for 4,000 acres in Webb County, Texas, which is, like, part of the Golden Triangle of, of you know, Texas brush country deer hunting. Okay, gotcha. So, and that was that was all oil field land that was broken up into other similar leases. So you can imagine the mint that they were making off of deer hunting. 
I tell you what, people talk about that Texas oil money. Talk about that Texas deer lease money. That's that's more like it. Yeah, yeah. We should. We just need to go be. Uh, if only it were still like the Wild West, where we could just go and put a flag down and you know claim some land. Right now, be awesome. So, <laughs> well, I'd have a lot of land. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and is that what is that what happened? I mean, it seems like a lot yeah. of Texas. You got you got oil. You've got cattle. I mean, like yeah. there's some. Like you, you look at a lot of where you know the public land is out west. It's not really super conducive to farming. It's not really super conducive to maybe like raising cattle. Mm, so yeah. it got kind of left alone in a way. Like you can't. You did have these big chunks that people were like, yeah, I can't. You know, monetize it. Maybe is that what happened? Like Texas yeah, was just I mean, so monetizable. People were like, yeah, I'll take it. Let's do cattle, stuff. Yeah, just ranching is how all of those huge tracts of land originally came together. And, you know, most of them have been broken up over the years. Someone dies, kids get in disagreements, and it gets sold or broken up from 3,000 acres to 1,500 to 500. To mm-hmm. Now the last guy is, like, holding on to his family property at 300 acres, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, yeah, cattle was the main driving force on a lot of those land claims. Are a lot of those, these bigger tracts of land or even smaller tracts of land, or people are still doing cattle on them, but they're also doing the deer thing on oh, them yeah. as well? And you get a nice exemption if you put cattle like on your taxes, you get an ag exemption. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, there's incentives to definitely to, to put um, livestock on here. Yeah, you get a nice exemption if you got corn on your property and stuff here. Somebody farms it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, zone it ag taxes are like almost non-existent. Hmm. Yeah. We're, we're fortunate on my my rifle lease that I have now, like it's about 800 acres and probably 250 of it are wheat fields. And so certain times of the year, the deer and certain the hogs, oh my God, they can't, it's like crack for them. Like midday, drive around, oh, there's hogs, boom. There's, you know, just shoot them right out of the, the four by four. They just like can't resist. Yeah, they and they're nonstop. And it's like a blessing and a curse, right? Right. They run deer off the feeders. Um, I was going to ask, do hogs play games with the deer at all? That the game is get out of my space, deer. Yeah, yeah. So they don't. The, the deer do not want to be around the hogs. But you get a, the occasional picture of both of them at the feeder, and then the next one's just just the hogs. The deers <laughs> give it up. <laughs> yeah. With the uh, the exotics, do you see those? Is that a, is that a South Texas only thing? Hill country mostly, and out west probably where you're out uh, out hunting. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. The Davis Mountains have. They have all dad. They have mule deer out there. That's like its own. That's like a whole. That's the fourth part of Texas. That's like so remote that you know, for me to for me to drive from Dallas to El Paso is like fourteen hours. Yeah, to drive across the state. That's so crazy. <laughs> well, yeah. even yeah, just we were in Houston. It was Harris County. It was we were talking to the sheriff. He's like, yeah, I mean, if I get a call and I'm on one side of the county, it's four hours. Tell him I'm on the next side of the county. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. But uh, but no, the exotics are they pretty much originated in the in the hill country. The uh, Shriners bought, and this is the historic Wyo Ranch originally. Yeah, they bought some black buck from a San Diego Zoo in like the '40s. I think the cattle industry went into the crapper. It's like, hey, how do we supplement our income? We'll start bringing in exotic species, and so that originated in the hill country, and they've done well there. And it kind of you know I, you won't see exotics. Outside of a high fence where I live, okay, there's none. Yeah, so hmm. it's not a thing in North Texas, and in, in the brush country, it's not a thing. 
Now you go where you were fishing Port Mansfield mm-hmm. again, Nil Guy. Mm-hmm. There's some other exotics in that area, but it's pretty much still country and then that coastal mm-hmm. area. And now it's a little bit like it's not limited to the high fence stuff. Like some of these things have gotten out over time oh, yeah. and they're, you know, doing That's, their thing. Yeah. A lot of people kill access to your free range and are, and are proud of it. And they should be. Yeah. That's uh access, access deer to me are a little bit more wary than a whitetail. So a little, little more tuned in on, huh? mm-hmm. yep. is that because they are in some ways more desirable because they, or they're just I, like, I just think like inherently they're just, just a little more skittish. What, uh, for somebody not familiar, maybe a friend of mine. Uh, <laughs> Asking for a friend. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Axis deer. Uh, I'm trying to go through my mental photograph list of different types of deer. What do they look like Spotted. Again? The horn's kind of its one main beam that has a little, you know, brow tine. Giant uh, horned oh. fawns. Oh, okay. I mean, they're not fawns, but they yeah. have that. Oh, they're bigger than whitetail. They, you know, average... 200, 180, 200 pounds. Yeah. Yep. But I get what you're talking about with the spots and White stuff like spots. that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Got Very it. cool. It's it's interesting to learn about all the exotics in Texas. Like fallow deer are cantankerous sons of bitches. Like a lot of people I know put fallow deer on and they're like, well, let's get rid of these things as fast as we can because they will take over a feeder. They fight. They break fences. They're, they're, uh, yeah, they're ornery. A little ornery. And they're bigger than axes too. Like they, they get, you know, 300 pounds, Jeez. 250, okay. 300 pounds. And yeah, it's just, just kind of like that hierarchy the, of the instant regret of, oh no, now what do we do with these fallow deer? Let's kill them all. <laughs> Let's get them off of this property. And when somebody has them on a property like that, they're essentially like, uh, what's the word? Pets? No. no, no these like, are... you do you have to, if you bring an exotic on, mm-hmm. Is there a is there a tag you have to buy in Texas? It's like, oh, I'm buying an access to your tag, or like if it's on a high no. fence property, do they just they can go out and just shoot at any time, right? I, you know, I think you have to, you still have to have a hunting license. It's always changing. We just made it to where you no longer have to have a hunting license to hunt hogs in Texas. Okay, interesting. Okay. So no license required. I don't know if it's the same for exotics. Yeah, it's never applied. I mean, I always have a license, so it's never something. Right. But you don't mm-hmm. have to tag the animal. That's where I was getting yeah. at with the pet. You know, the, no. the pets thing is probably the wrong terminology. But I, like, I was trying to figure. Out, well, it. Yeah. You know, no, you just like, take you don't it have to, to have a hunting license to go and put your old dog down because it's no. you know whatever. It's like a private. You just animal. drop it off at the processor. Like or, a live, like more of like a livestock situation. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. the thing I was looking for. Yeah, is, that's kind of what it's like, though, right? Yeah. You got to have yeah. a hunting license, but then you can just go at any time, essentially. Any time, right? no closed season. You could shoot them at night with thermal. Really. Shoot them with a spotlight. Yeah. Wow. I haven't, but you can. Oh, okay. They they do a lot of uh, management. Like, say you've got too many black buck on your place. They do a lot of management like that. And then they have, like, um, an exotic meat cooler company. Mm-hmm. Bring their cooler. with. They've got to have, like, a Texas Health Commission inspector there, whatever it is, inspecting the meat. And then they can they can put it on the market and sell it. They do a lot oh. of that with Nil Guy. A lot of that with Nil Guy. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. You'll see Nil Guy in restaurants. That's super cool. Good I think stuff. W- w- oh, yeah. one of the coolest things, or or one cool thing, I think, is like when you're talking about some of that hill country, you know, South Texas stuff. If you were to go on a hunt down there, you like number one, it's a cool opportunity, right? A uh, cool opportunity to hit the rut later, which is like maybe outside of like some of the primary stuff that an out of state person might be doing. And then uh, you kind of you might not never know what you're going to see. Yeah, get some. Cool opportunities at some Havelina. That's critters. something like a bonus animal that oh. people that hunt down in South Texas. 
lots of javelina. Yep. A lot. It, Texans don't even, a lot of Texans don't know. You're only allowed to shoot two a year. I mean, there are people out there that shoot a lot more than that. And they, they consider them a nuisance. Do a lot of them just think, well, maybe not a lot of them, but do some of them just think it's a hog? And they're like, ah, it's a hog. I just think they don't, they just treat them like coyotes. Oh. Oh, yeah. weird. Yeah. So, so a lot of people shoot them and don't even eat them. I'm just like, what's that? Uh, what's the that, point? That does not make yeah. sense to me. I when I was they, in, like um, I said, they could treat them as a pest. Yeah, and they, right. they 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 have a stigma that's like the meat's not edible and they do kind of smell. But I've cooked them and they're they're perfectly fine. Yeah, I mean they got like yeah they got a little bit of a funk to them, but they have a scent gland. Right. That yeah. you have to cut out, and once you've done that, it's well, we had a lot of fun hunting them. We didn't shoot one, but we had a lot of fun hunting them. I came, know that. Came close. Yeah. Um, uncomfortably close. Yeah. When I when I was in Texas, we we're glassing up this, you know, this area, and I can't think. I don't think there were any uh, audad up in there, but there were a bunch of uh, colored peccary. Mm-hmm. There you go. There's the correct terminology. And uh, like, I wanted to go after them. The guys are. They're like, yeah, well, you know, we'll, you know, we can do that anytime. I'm like, dude, like. I'm as interested in these things as I am in Audad. Yeah. And so, like, it was kind of like, uh, you know, we did that. We did it uh, democratically, and I, my vote lost. Uh, but, uh, and then I ended up not shoot. We saw tons of javelina. And I, st- I, st- I still have not yet uh, shot one, Jim. I wanted Dang. to get one and eat it and this see what like that was about. This sounds like me arguing with my PH in South Africa about baboons. I'm like, I want to shoot a baboon. He's like, oh, they're a nuisance. Why? Just who cares? If we see one, we'll shoot one. Yeah. I'm like, well, there they are. He's like, no, no, no. Let's go hunt like planes game. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've shot at baboons like at 500 yards as they're running away, but I haven't hit one yet. Those things are pretty crazy. They're mean. I hear uh, like hor- like horribly, very like. Those are the ones that'll go for your uh, your your cr- crotchal area, right? Uh, I don't know. If they attack, I'll, I'll defer to Cable on this. One. Uh, they're just chips. They look at baboons like we look at feral hogs, like a nuisance. But without the the joy of year-round hunting, they're just like, dude, they trap them. They, they, they don't want them in their wheat field. They eat their wheat. When camp is uninhabited, they're in camp tearing stuff up. So, oh, and then like yeah, all, they're the, pesky. all the water troughs and pumps that they're trying to, you know, make sure the wildlife has access to water, the baboons get in there and break that stuff. So they, they do not, uh, you know, look at them very kindly. Not what are they, they going to do that for? I don't know. Just man. Oh, I'm a baboon. There's things I can mess up. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. But the big males, I just want. I mean, I don't have any interest in shooting a troop of baboons, but I do want a big male like the European mount. I think with those big old canine teeth would be pretty awesome. I think they can be. Um, I've heard. I feel like I've heard some horrendous histor- horrendous stories that involve baboons. Like even like I want to go back and ask they're probably about true. That. Yeah, like not. Like of like acts that the baboons are committing, right? You know? Egregious. Boy, we've gone from deer to exotics to baboons. You never know where the Vortex Nation podcast is going to take. You, you want to hear something right. interesting? Uh, yeah, I shot a a free range fallow deer in Africa in uh, February. Okay. And the British, when they colonized that part of South Africa, they kind of viewed the wild game there as like too gamey. So they brought in these uh, fallow deer. And now the fallow deer have like just like the axis deer have done in Texas, like they have proliferated, and they're rutting in February because I'd always gone in, in like July, which is their winter. Yeah. So I was there more in like their oh yeah their spring summer, and that's when the fallow deer were rutting. So I sh- we we went into the mountains and spent a whole day glassing. Pretty sure it was with my new Diamondback spotter. Okay. 
and um, found a couple bucks that you know were bachelored up, and sat there, laid there for like three hours for him to stand up, and then shot him at 470 yards from up on a ridge. It was so cool. It's on YouTube, um, John X Safari's channel, but. It was one of my favorite hunts, and it's not even an African game. I was gonna, uh, I was gonna, me. I was actually gonna ask if yeah. that was like one of your because I could even tell just the way you're talking about yeah. it, like that was like uh. one of your like most favorite Africa experiences. It was so cool, and because I'd always seen them, but they were all busted up post rut, and the guys like, yeah, you need to be here earlier in the year, and I was like, but I always come in July. Well, COVID happened, and so that hunt in 2020 got canceled, so we were like the first Americans back into Africa in February. We were at the the bar at the airport and the waiter was like we all please come eat here and we we're like that's kind of weird that you're like so aggressive about it but sure he's like no y'all are just the first americans we've seen in a year <laughs> so it was you know eye-opening and they need that commerce you know so yeah absolutely yeah that is i mean yeah interesting what about so now we covered fallow deer a little bit which are <laughs> a deer so we're getting we're getting back on track yeah, we, Jim. we are on deer i am gonna I, I have to ask so it's, I remember growing up and I'd see Texas hunting on TV. But at the time, I didn't really know it was like Texas hunting. It was just these people hunting deer. I grew up hunting blacktails, which are probably one of the first things from, you know, hunting in, you know, South Texas where right. I'd see these hunts. And man, a guy would sit on the ground, generally in blue jeans and plain clothes, and clash some horns together. And about 50 bucks, I'm exaggerating, but like bucks would come a running. And mm-hmm. then I would try those things at home, and no bucks come a running. Now, actually, I should I should <laughs> say probably black, went the other way. Blacktails do respond rattling, but not to the uh, degree that I was seeing. And I was like, "What is this strange land of Texas and rattling bucks? What's the scoop on that?" I mean, I feel like it was kind of pioneered in Texas. Oh yeah, South Texas brush country. It uh, you've got every truck has a set of rattling horns in it, or every backpack. You know, if you're being dropped off in a blind, yeah, it's it's. Does it work as good as what I saw? It's not like TV, no. But okay. it, they Damn. do come. I'm not going to say five bucks are going to show up every time. One might not even show up, but that's okay because you're on 4,000 acres. He didn't come here. Let's drive over here, you know, a quarter mile and try again. And, you know, it's, it is a very successful technique. Why is it that down there they respond to it so well? Man, I don't, I don't know why. Um, huh. I don't know if it's a buck to doe ratio thing. But they, yeah. but they do. Um, like just like the the herd is managed to a point where there's so much competition for maybe limited does that they're just like. Well, they it, ideally these places want a one to one ratio. Oh, one to one. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, it gives you an idea of the competition level. Yeah. Those the, the you know the ones that really put a thought into management. You're trying to get to that one and a half to one, the one to one. You know, somewhere in that range is like, that's where the sweet spot is. You're going to see a lot of deer, whether you're sitting in a tripod or a high rack of a truck. You're going to see deer with those numbers. That's interesting. Bucks. I, you, and you think about it with that one to one, one ratio. If two bucks are fighting and preoccupied, they're probably also fighting over a doe, perhaps. That leaves room to slip in, i.e., these. Intruder bucks, if you will. Calls. <laughs> <laughs> slide into the DMs. Just slide yeah. right into the DMs. Uh-huh. They do it, for sure. Let's cap on this, Jim. All right. Unless you're not ready to cap. Mark, I, I'm following your lead. We're talking deer, Mark. 
So fair enough. Is, fair enough. This is all you. You can leave uh, lead uh, the Vortex Drives podcast next time. <laughs> uh, born and raised Texas. I mean, you've hunted a lot of lot of places. What like what do you love like what do you love about Texas and Texas deer hunting? Like if you're gonna like try and nail it down, maybe maybe that's too tough yeah, a question. No, I, I think there's two things. The opportunity to shoot a nice buck is very available for any hunter. So it's it's a land of riches for big bucks. Number two, I just love our our culture of you know if you are blessed enough to have a lease. Or, or you have family land, you know, it's one of those properties that's been broken down X number of times over the years, but you've still got 500 acres, whatever. I love the family aspect of, you know, taking my kids out there and we don't have a minimum hunting age. Like my son's eight. I know a lot of states like you're not allowed to hunt at eight years old. Mm-hmm. And I, since I do this for a living, was very careful with my kids about not forcing it on them. Of right. course they want to come, but do they want to pull the trigger? So I waited for Henry to say... I want to shoot a deer. I said, okay. Well, during COVID, we practiced our asses off and got him good with a 2250. And um, so that was, that was like so affirming for me as a dad and as a hunter to, uh, you know, like I said, I grew up bass fishing. My son shot his first deer at eight years old. So he's got a major jump start from where I was. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that. The, the wife comes, the kids come, all five of us sit in a big blind. You know, it's just a family event. So I think that is a big part of it. And I, that that's not transcendent to just Texas. I mean, that's that's everywhere. Yeah. But that's my favorite part of, of deer hunting. I like it. And, you know, I mean, I think Wisconsin is similar. We don't have a men uh, age to hunt big game anymore. And I, and I think what you talked about there, like, is a really great way to do it. Like, you know, my girls are six and seven right now. So they're probably, like, kind of, like, getting to that time frame where, like, maybe they'll start you know, thinking about it or asking about it a little bit more. But to your point, like you were able to, I guess, capitalize on that point where that interest happened instead of going, oh, you got to wait till you're 12 if we're going to really do this. And it's like, oh, by 12, you might be, which aren't bad things, but, you know, basketball, football, whatever, yeah. whatever you get in, you've got a lot, a big gap there to get interested in other things. And you may not develop that passion for hunting. That could have been a really big, important part of your life that, you end up missing out on so and they're I'm also not, spoiled rotten because of all the nice optics they get to use <laughs> that, yeah that does help i mean <laughs> someone was looking at henry's 17 hmr and they're like that's a lot of scope for that gun i was like <laughs> we're very fortunate <laughs> you gotta be well equipped yeah you gotta be well equipped it is nice to you know part of the excitement is seeing them and if you see them and it's all hazy and mm-hmm. dark and you can't tell what's going on, it's not fun. I mean, you know, we're joking around, but I mean, 100% right. I mean, that is truly part of that overall experience, whether you're glassing, right? You got a set of binos, well, and you can't see through them or they're, you know, it's like, well, that's not an enjoyable experience. So that sucked. Mm-hmm. Okay. That part was lame, you know, or you got a scope and it doesn't have good eye relief and you're getting a lot of scope, shadow and field of view, whatever. Okay. Well, uh, you know, or you know, boom, you shoot and you get scope eye, you know, well, that wasn't fun. Right. You know, so, I mean, it really does play into that, your overall experience, whether you're, you know, just getting into it or a youth or an adult. I mean, I know that's one of my favorite parts of the hunt is glassing. Glass, glass, glass. I love glassing. Deer and glassing, Jim, two of my favorite things. Yeah. Maybe even your two most favorite things. It could be. (laughs) I, I like, it's very rewarding when you're the Texan going over to Africa. And you're picking out stuff with your spotting scope and showing it to your pH. 
So when do you go to Africa? Because I know it should be on your bucket list. But. I know. I, I never, I have not been, but I do think about it. Paul Nice was just in Africa. We were on the same flight. I. This is no crazy. Way. Yeah. The Cable and I were talking about that this. He's so like, oh, nice. yeah, I saw Paul on the plane to Africa. It that is so nice. In, in Doha, like Qatar. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Fancy meeting you here. Yeah. Paul has a knack for that. He was uh, in a wilderness area, and Brad Brooks, who we just chatted with a little bit, uh, great guy, Brad Brooks, uh, uh, Argali, was, uh, they ran into each other in the wilderness area. Wow. Like, you know, how many thousands of middle-of-nowhere acres? Like, oh, hey, let's go. Oh, who's that? Oh, hey, Paul. Running into Paul and these would be, <laughs> it's all, th- that would almost uh, make the hunt for me. <laughs> I can go home now. I guess I'm in a good place. Saw, Paul Nice is here. Must, right. nice. must be a good spot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how you know you've arrived. Uh, Cable, thanks so much for swinging by Vortex. It's awesome having you here. It's uh, great to be here. And, uh, you know, obviously just in, in, enjoy you and, and uh, the show and, and everything and working together. It's, it's always fun. And, and uh, yeah, just looking forward well, to the next adventure. So thank you guys. Yeah. And uh, for everybody who's wondering out there, see, this is proof that we do indeed like Texas. Right, Mark? You got us in a little bit of hot water while it go, Jim. It wasn't intentional. No, it wasn't intentional. We had a Wisconsin versus Texas. little competition, friendly. But uh, anyway, what, uh, yeah, if, you, uh, if you're in Texas and you're a big Texas hunter, tell us why you love it. Uh, yeah. Hunting deer down there and other stuff, too. Like Cable mentioned, there's some other stuff. But otherwise, uh, yeah, drop us a line in the comments below if you're watching on YouTube or over on Instagram at Vortex Nation Podcast. See you on the next one. See you on the next one. We'll see you in Texas. All Cheers. Right, bye. Bye. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode of the Vortex Nation podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, hit that subscribe button, give us a review, or leave a comment. We want to hear what you have to say. If you have a question or topic suggestion, let us know that as well via the Vortex Nation podcast YouTube page or any of Vortex's social platforms. That helps us cover exactly what you want to hear so we can provide the best information to help you with your hunting, shooting, and related activities, and ultimately enjoy them to their fullest potential. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you on the next one.